Hi, this is Ace Fairley. You may remember me from such films as Kiss Saves Santa. But Mrs. Claus, who would kidnap Santa? Where I rescued Santa from the paradoxals. Hang on, Santa, we're coming. Hurry, boys, the eggs are hatching. With the sound of my guitar. Everyone knows pterodactyls can't stand the screech of a guitar. You're listening to Jeremy White. You just practice that guitar, Santa. Next time we'll let you do a solo. Don't encourage him. Hey, Jeremy, this is Ace. Ace, what's going on, man? Hey, what's happening? Not much. First of all, what the hell's wrong when you do an interview at 10.30 in the morning? I have to get up early for this. Join the fucking club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just drove in from Kentucky. Louisville, Kentucky. I bought a Jaguar there the other day. Oh, nice. Me and my girlfriend drove it back. We got in at 11.15. Jeez. Where are you back in Jersey now? Uh, yeah. We just got a place in Jersey, building a new recording studio in the basement. And, uh, nice. Loving it. We're Looking be, forward uh... to the fall and, and Christmas and the snow. You know, I was living in California for 11 years, and I missed the seasons, so... I'm happy to be back east because, you know, it's a, between the fires and the earthquakes in California, I'm happy to be gone. Yeah. So yeah. sorry for the people out there that are going through all that shit and losing their homes and whatnot. Oh, dude, it's crazy. Like, I see some of the pictures on uh, Facebook and stuff, and I'm like, it, it looks like something out of a Halloween movie or something. It's like a horror show over there. Fucking A. I mean, I mean and, and it's not just there. It's happening in Colorado, and uh, Colorado's having the worst fire. They've had in 70 years. Yeah. Well, it was all because of that damn uh, gender reveal party, eh? Like uh, somebody thought they were at a Kiss concert and they ended up uh, sending off some pyro at their damn kid reveal party. And it's like, really? <laughs> like, come on. Crazy shit, you know? And in the middle of all this crazy weather, you got the pandemic to deal with. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure it's not helping. Any- and people that are sick can't even get to a hospital. No, I saw some footage in the, of YouTube, man. I saw a fucking hospital go rolling down a fucking hill because of a landslide, you know, because they're getting torrential rains, you know. The, yeah, yeah. the whole world is going crazy. In the middle of it all, I'm coming out with a new record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Origins Volume 2 is coming out this Friday on Entertainment One. Limited edition double LP with super special swirls. They're awesome. You can pre-order them. Now, I pre-ordered both of them. I got the... Uh, the advanced copy of the album digitally. I was like, no, fuck that. I want. I bought the pre-ordered the two LPs. I want to listen to them when they get here. I want to slap them on the turntable and have that first listen experience. I'm excited for it. A lot of people are going back to vinyl. That's making me happy. You know, it sounds better. Talking about vinyl and going back to like how everything old is new again. You know, back when you were recording with the, like you know the first couple of Kiss records, compared to now, you know, I was talking about this with another guitarist last week. How um. He uses a lot of the same old amps that he used on his earlier records, and he still uses them today. How do you think guitar tones have changed through the years? I mean, you know, if you go listen to those early Kiss records and you listen to the guitar tone, and then if you took that same amp and used it today, how come they sound different? Well, you know, they didn't have pro. We didn't have Pro Tools back then. You know, digital recording with, with all these different plugins and with new algorithms that emulate vintage sounds. But, you know, it, it, a lot of it has to do with digital reverbs and stuff that weren't available to us. You know, 
Well, you know, when you think about stuff that was recorded at the power station, like, for, for example, that song Addicted to Love by Robert Palmer, you know, they got that ambient drum sound by pumping the snare drum into a hallway and re-recording it back into the tape machine. Right. Because they didn't have digital reverbs then, you know. Now we got, you know, so many different types of uh, special effects that, you know, just make the production sound that much better, bigger, natural doubling effects. Uh, you know, me and John Five use a, a special auto panner, you know, for the guitar solo and politician that right. came out so cool. And uh, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm, editing is so much easier with Pro Tools. It's a click of the mouse, you know. In the early days with Kiss, we'd have to cut the tape with a razor blade and, and put it back together with, a, you know, special tape, hoping you wouldn't hear the click when it went by. <laughs> <laughs> Was there a lot of punching in and punching out on those Kiss records? Was there a lot of editing that had to be done? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of mistakes we had to fix. Even on the live volume one, you know. Yeah. We overdubbed a lot of the mistakes and, you know, made it sound better than a, the original recording. But, you know, at, by, you know, at this juncture, Paul and Gene have admitted to that, you know. And we had audience loops. Eddie Kramer had like three quarter-inch tape machines with long loops going around. And he'd have three faders. One was one kind of audience reaction. Second one was a stronger audience reaction. And then there was number three, which was like everybody going completely apeshit. You know, we used a lot of shit yeah. to make that album sound more exciting. But, you know, I mean, pretty much the heart of the record is still our live performance, you know. And, and you know, what made that album so great was the packaging and the booklet, you know, it was like a souvenir of a Kiss concert. And Kiss was a very strong band live, and I think that's what made that album so successful. Yeah, you know, it really did sell the Kiss experience to the mass population. Talking about Kiss Alive 1, you know, it's celebrating that big anniversary of this year. Do you have any special moments that uh, or memories that you'd want to share about the album? Not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, meh, it's in the past. It's all cool. It was fun, but whatever. I... <laughs> You know, you got to remember, what was that, 40 years ago? I think it's 45 it's like, now. Uh, it's... Oh, okay. Well, after all the alcohol and drugs I've done over the years, you know, I lost a few brain cells, so my memory's not what it used to be. Hey, it is what but it thank is. thank God tomorrow I'm celebrating 14 years sober, so. There you go. That's a blessing. Honestly, to be honest, though, through this pandemic, I'm surprised nobody's fallen off the wagon and, you know, just... Uh... Sitting at home, nothing else to do. A lot of, I spoke to a lot of, you know, I still keep in touch with a lot of my AA friends and a couple of them have relapsed, you know, because of the stress. Uh, you know, it's been very stressful on people. Yeah. You know, some people think it's the end of the world, the beginning of the end, you know, and people panic. People having financial difficulties, you know, uh, so you know, they decide to go out and have a drink, you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, I'm lucky enough that, you know, I'm in a situation where uh, I don't I don't have any financial issues right now. I have a new girlfriend, you know, and uh, I got my daughter living with me and my Great. girlfriend's two kids, 
14 and 17. And, uh, you know, it's like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Fraley family over there. Spaceman's now daddy. It's Yeah, you, you got the whole thing going on. <laughs> And my and my daughter just flew in with her dog, and and my girlfriend Laura's got a a big uh, giant poodle with a bark like a German Shepherd. You know, we got five acres, so uh, it works out fine, though. Dog was he running around? I just went and... outside to walk the dog, and there were two bears climbing a fucking tree, like a full-grown <laughs> bear. Yeah. Well, we live in the woods, you know. We're yeah. surrounded by a wooded area, and the back of we're in the back of a, a housing development, you know, with about thirty-five homes. You know, nice. they're only about ten years old, but you know, we're in the back, and from our tree line, the next house is about a half a mile away. So it's just all woods. So I mean, behind our house, there's bears, deer, rabbits. Squirrels, everything, anything you can think of. I thought I saw some wolves the other day. Nice. Yeah. See, I, I'm from. Um, I I live just outside of Montreal, so we. Uh, I'm from a native reservation, uh-huh. so we're we're Mohawks over here. So on uh, in my town, like it's pretty much just like wooded area. So it's kind of like the same situation for me. I'm like like right in the middle of the woods sometimes. Like my parents, they live right along the water, and uh, it's all woods, and we we got that all the time. Christ, there was like a freaking moose just standing in the driveway not long ago is yeah it's, gotta love <laughs> gotta love that dude i'll tell you I what know. we we drove, we went up we have a 650 foot driveway and like the first week we had moved in we, we pulled in the driveway and there was a black bear you know like yeah. you know five you know 10 feet from the car and i just opened the window and said get the fuck out of here and he ran <laughs> you know well, fuck i'll tell you one time so the guy that lives down the road from my parents he had like this i don't know what the what his deal was but he was like he was having goats and like uh he had a donkey at one point this fucking guy so we had this gardener at my parents house and the guy was deaf but the guy would blast the freaking radio in the garage while he was like doing his shit or whatever so he's standing in there and the guy's deaf right he turns around and the fucking donkeys in the garage dance into the music that is playing on the radio. Holy <laughs> shit, he lost his mind. <laughs> You're fucking killing me, man. <laughs> I, you know, I, I got a fucking shotgun loaded with double O buck. If, if any of the big bears get too close, fuck them. <laughs> yeah, just take them out. They're going down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you were saying that you're building a home studio in uh, in your new house. Yeah, in the basement. We got a 3,000-square-foot basement of poured concrete, so it's perfect for a studio. We're building a gym down there because my girlfriend's a, a personal trainer and a video editing studio. And we got storage down there. It's, it's, it's you know, yeah. I'm looking forward to the fall and winter. You know, I'm going to be a busy Busy guy working on, I've already started writing stuff for my new uh, next studio record because I just re-signed with E1 for another three albums. Oh, nice. That's good news. I was always curious about this. You know, with you being super proficient and like an early adopter of computers and technology, you know, in, in 1987, what did you think of Def Leppard's hysteria and how Mutt Lang just took technology and totally elevated the sound of music with the way they produced that album? That's a great producer. You know, I always wanted to work with him, but I never had a chance to. Uh, but I've worked with guys like Eddie Kramer and Bob Ezrin, who, you know, are uh, 
amazing producers that taught me a lot of shit. I, you know, you know, when Paul and Gene, when we used to finish a recording session, you know, with Eddie Kramer, those guys would leave. I'd stay behind and, and sit, you know, with Eddie for half an hour or an hour. And I'd have him teach me how to use compressors and limiters and EQs and digital delays. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from Eddie Kramer, probably more than anybody. Yeah. So did that come into play, um, you know, recording these last couple of albums? Like, are you, are you like producing them sitting there like behind the console with the mix engineer saying, oh, you know what, maybe lower the threshold on that compressor or, you know, maybe, you know, let's compress the reverb on that little trail of guitar. Like, are you super involved in that sense? Totally. I even engineered a lot of the stuff on some of my records. You know, since I re- since I signed my first, uh, did my first album with E1 and I'm a, well, that was in an anomaly because it was a different label, but E1 re-released it. But uh, I've been, you know, producing my records for the last, you know, whatever. Yeah. And even my 78 solo album, I, I believe I co-produced with Eddie Kramer, you know, and... Uh, it's nice, you know, being able to, I mean, I have the knowledge and I have more knowledge now than I've ever had. And i am become very proficient at using Pro Tools, you know, digital editing. I mean, with Pro Tools, you can edit visually. You don't even have to hear the goddamn thing. You can see the snare hit. You can see the bass drum hit, you know, because you're looking at the waveform on a 50-inch monitor. And you can see where to where to edit it, and nine times out of ten, you can do it without even hearing it. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. So you know, if you had the option, would you go back to cutting and splicing tape? No fucking way, man. <laughs> my, my, I have a twenty-four track tape machine collecting dust in my locker. One of my seven storage lockers filled with junk. <laughs> But, you know, I, I still have a lot of my old vintage amps and guitars and uh, microphones. You know, and I use a lot of micing techniques I learned from Eddie and Bob and other producers I've worked with. So, uh, you know, I try to create that vintage guitar sound, and I think I achieve it. But eventually it's all going to hard drive and going to be knocked down to 44.1 HZ. And uh, throw it on the CD. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always, you know, track it uh, analog and then just re-record it digitally and then mix and edit in there. But who the hell wants to do that? Yeah. Just throw a plug-in I mean, on and it's done. I mean, you know, analog, drums, you know, I mi- the only thing I miss about tape machines is the drum compression you got. You know, when you record drums on a, on a, on a tape machine at... 30, 15 IPS, you get this actual drum sound that has this natural tape compression, you know, with analog tape. And uh, that's pretty hard to recreate. But, you know, every day they're coming out with new plugins that emulate uh, vintage recording and vintage tape machines. And they, they're sounding close enough, you know, yeah. that I'm happy with it. You know, talking about Eddie Kramer. He actually has his own uh, tape emulation plugin, so you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, digital recording has in the last ten years is, is really 
really, you know, just the way technology is. Yeah, well, it's flourished. advanced like everything else. So, you know? so, so has digital recording, you know, it's, everything's just flying. You know, they, they used to say 10, 15 years ago, you know, technology doubles every 10 years. <laughs> I think now it's probably more like five years, you know. Well, yeah, because there's just so many people working to innovate and create new shit. You know, it's a, you constantly have something new in the market every other day. I, I just had my I just had my computer guru here at the new house, and he's you know setting me up with uh, cameras all around the house and cameras in my doorbell. You know that whole ring system <laughs> where they come up on your iPhone. You know, if somebody rings your doorbell and you're in California, you can talk to them. I mean, it's amazing how far technology has gone. But he said to me, he goes, you know, he's worried about, you know, artificial intelligence. Some idiot, you know, (laughs) presses the wrong button and lets the computer take over. You know, that whole scenario, those Terminator movies talk about. That could happen. You know, what, what's it going to do, though? What, just ring your doorbell over and over again? What, it's not going to pick up your house and move it. Well, I'm not talking about computers from my house. I'm talking about computers that uh, may control weaponry, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, artificial that. intelligence could be scary if it's not controlled properly. Well, hey, I wanted to just really quickly, you know, going back to you saying that, you know, you still use a lot of your vintage amps and vintage guitars. You know, what kind of guitar, what was your guitar rig on this uh, on this album? Well, I, I I still pretty much track everything with with my favorite Les Paul, uh, but then I like to double them with Fenders or Strats. I started recently using an old Dane Electro, nice, uh, which has different sound because it's got those lipstick pickups, and uh, you know I experiment. A lot of times I'll I'll even add an acoustic guitar on an electric guitar track and tuck it under and you really don't hear the acoustic but it fattens up the track and uh the only time you hear it is if you pull it out you miss it and i learned that from pete townsend you listen to a lot of some of the old who tracks you know his his fender guitar is 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 what the loudest thing in the mix but under it he, he doubles things with acoustic guitars a lot of times. Right. Yeah, yeah it's true. And that's uh, if, if you just bury it underneath the electric, like you said, it just kind of like fattens up the track. Are you using any of your old like Kiss amps on this album, or I use old Fender Tweeds and old Marshalls, uh, Vox. Pretty much those three, the three main amp amplifiers I use. I got an old Gibson amp. Uh, t- all tubes, you know. Yeah. Like and I use old old microphones and fifty sevens of course for guitar mixed in with uh, I like to I like the combination of a ribbon condenser a ribbon mic or like a condenser mic with a fifty seven and uh, blending those together and then you know I also use two preamps I got a rack of uh, Focusrite and. You know, Universal Audio preamps and... Uh, so it's a pretty analog chain going into the Pro Tools rig. Well, that, that that's why my my guitars still sound like vintage guitar sounds, you know? Just I make that effort to, you know, I, I use analog gear and then everything is going to go to hard drive eventually, but, you know... Yeah. The more I can do analog, you know, vintage sounding, you know, I, I strive for that. 
yeah, using no. old equipment. And, you know, just listening to the space truck and uh, and watching the video, like, you know, guitars sound great, sound massive, sounds like vintage Ace, so I'm not complaining. Yeah, well, I, I tracked that years ago. That was supposed to go on Origins Volume 1, but I wasn't really happy with uh, the original track uh, with my guitar work at the time, so I revisited that for this record. I redid the guitar solo redid the vocal, tightened up the edits. Uh, and yeah, with Pro Tools, it's so easy to move things around and re-edit and, you know, switch things around. Yeah. And uh, it, it sounds good now, yeah. you know, a lot better than it did when I first recorded it. Yeah, sounds great. All right, well, well real quick before we wrap up, uh, 12 tracks on Ace Freely Origins Volume 2. It's available Friday, E1. Go and pre-order it now. Get those awesome vinyl swirls up there, limited edition copies. Uh, before we go, I just wanted to know, how important was it for you to have a track with Robin Zander on Origins Volume 2? Because, you know, back in the day, Kiss and Cheap Trick, they were kind of like the go-to for a lot of fans. And to have Ace and Robin on a track now, it's kind of like, damn, like this is a childhood come true. Well, I mean, the whole the whole idea behind the Origin series is for me to re-record music that influenced me as a kid. You know, and I was a huge Humble Pie fan, but I could never sing like Steve Marriott. And, you know, I bumped into Robin a few years ago and he expressed, you know, a desire to work with me on, a, on some of my future records. So when I decided to do 30 Days in the Hole, I figured Robin could probably kill that vocal. And I sent him an MP3 of it because he lives in Florida, and uh, he just killed that vocal. I love what he did to it. Well, I can't wait to hear it coming out Friday, Ace Free of the Origins Volume 2. Thanks a lot for chatting, man. Appreciate it, and uh, best of luck with the album. I can't wait to hear it. So what do you got planned for the new album uh, like the of originals? Is it going to sound like a classic Rock Soldiers Ace, or are we going to get like a modern Ace? I, 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 like I said, I'm always striving to get vintage guitar sounds. I think, you know, I'm known for that. You know, so many guitar players have been influenced by my sound. I'm really not going to change my guitar sound very much. I might write something a little out of the ordinary or, you know, that people are used to hearing. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, I, every day, you know, I wake up and I come up with a new idea. I've already written three new songs. You know, this past month, and uh, I'm in the middle of building a studio in my basement. So uh, once that's completed, I'm going to start tracking the uh, next studio record, and uh, that'll probably be out next year, around this time. You know, they usually wait at least a year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this album, you know, Varsin's Volume 2 was finished last Christmas. You know, but because of the pandemic, they held withheld the release. So uh, I've been, I can't wait, you know, for it to be released and get the feedback from the fans because so far I've done about 100 interviews and about 80% of the interviewers think this is a better record than Origins Volume 1. I just hope the fans agree with them. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to slap on that vinyl and the turntable, have a listen, and yeah, just enjoy. That's the whole point of it at the end of the day, right? Just enjoying as a fan. Well, you know, the whole idea behind rock and roll is supposed to be fun. You know, you get out there, you listen to the music, and it makes you happy. You know, Kiss used to be fun for me. Um, you know, when it got to the point where it wasn't fun anymore, I quit. Right. 1981, you know. You know, Gene was over-merchandising the band. 
you know, they wanted to tour constantly. I didn't want to tour. I wanted to drive my sports cars and uh, hang out with my friends, you know, in between. The, you know, the, they were workaholics. And uh, I wanted to go to Studio 54 and enjoy my, my stardom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, come uh, on. it's not a bad thing. <laughs> so, you know, we butted heads on that because they wanted to constantly tour. And I said, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I'm out of here. You know, plus with the success of my seventy eight solo album with New York Groove, you know, it was kind of like the writing on the wall for me because I was much more creative away from those guys than with them. So I, I knew, you know, within a few years, I'd be leaving the group to form up my own band. And uh, so far, so good. You know, one day at a time. Tomorrow, I celebrate 14 years sober. And uh, that's a milestone for me. Never thought I'd reach that, but uh, with the help of God, I have. So, yep. I still take it one day at a time, Jeremy. No, I hear you, man, and it's great. I mean, congratulations on the sobriety. Congrats on the new album, and uh, looking forward to many, many more years of Ace Freely. I'll tell you that. Thanks so much, Jeremy. You have a great day. All right, you too. I'll talk soon. Okay, bye bye.